Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. With over 20 years in healthcare, Dr. Gray is a doctor of oriental medicine and holistic physician fusing Eastern and Western healing. Dr. Gray is on staff at Jupiter Medical Center and in private practice with an office in Jupiter, Florida, where he resides. Dr. Gray enjoys being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Baden-Baden, Germany, and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and Biarritz, France. He is co author of several books on food therapy and the founder of the annual Star Summit Talks at the Norton Museum of Art in Palm Beach, Florida. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio Quality Living. Thank you for joining us. As always, we're on available on all podcast formats. And of course, we are brought to you and supported by Vell Health. If you haven't downloaded your Vell Health app today, do so. You've been waiting for it. It's now available. And uh, VellHealth.com is also a way to do that. We have Zachary McVicker, Dr. Zachary McVicker here. He's from the Paley uh, Orthopedic and Spine Institute and um, among other places. He's had quite a journey for such a young man. Um, Doc, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, there's so much we're going to talk about today because the the landscape, the idea of musculoskeletal and orthopedics have has changed and is changing. And you, along with the Paley Institute, is helping to lead that charge. So tell me a little bit about your background with orthopedic surgery. What got you into it? Yeah, so you know, I was a uh, an athlete when I was younger. Had a, a few major injuries and uh, kind of derailed my athletic career which you know wasn't going to go very far anyways but uh, mm-hmm. you know I, I always said if I wasn't going to be a professional athlete I would hang out with them and so that kind of uh, pushed me into medicine and orthopedics and then sports medicine but uh, you know I went out to LA for fellowship and um, you know I was around a lot of professional athletes uh, out in all the LA teams and uh, had a different perspective on their training and their recovery and what it takes, you know, to uh, be successful at their level, um, you know, with uh, mental health and everything else that goes with uh, be, being a uh, high-level athlete. And so, um, you know, I was really interested in, in all of that and came down to Florida. And now I work with the Miami Marlins as one of their team physicians um, and the, the Jupiter Hammerheads. And uh you know, just took a lot of what I learned from them and uh, and brought it out here and um, you know trying to apply it to just everyday patients even if it's just a weekend warrior or you know anybody with an injury the you know when you think of sports obviously there's no question why there's so many injuries I mean it's it's brutal and repetitive and stressful on the body when you do something no matter how Simple it may seem to us, the observer, right. when you do it over and over and over again, um, all sorts of things start to happen, namely arthritis, inflammation, and all that. So kind of just give an overview of the system because you know what I've realized in uh, probably doing some form of health and healing since I've been 18 and I'm 48 um, is that most people don't even realize how the body works in this in relationship to their actions. Right. So the, you know, one of the big things that happens is that people have either poor posture or form when they're exercising. I'm talking mostly about weightlifting or cardio type things. Uh, and uh, they, they put themselves in a repetitive spot where a certain muscle, tendon, the joint, whatever it is, is at a, is at a disadvantage. Uh, and then they just repetitively injure it and it becomes more of a degenerative type of thing. Um, 
And so, you know, it, it can lead to tears, it can lead to partial tears and, and a lot of inflammation and pain. Um, and, you know, when, when things start to fully tear, that's when it becomes more of a surgical thing. But before then, we can get to it and intervene and uh, get people back to what they want to do before it comes to surgery. What does intervening look like, though? So, uh, you know, we, we try to correct posture, you know, with some of the physical therapy type things. Um, and, uh, you know, I sit with them in the office if it's like a shoulder per se. Um, you know, I will uh, teach them correct form and how they should be, you know, sitting and reaching and things like that um, so that they put their shoulder at a better advantage and the rotator cuff under less stress. And then, you know, medications and stuff, you know, can help, but, uh, you know, there's certain supplements and things like that, that we can, that we can start giving people and, uh, decrease their natural inflammation in their body. How's that changing compared to when you maybe first started in this field and then to now? So it was just medication really. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it was either medication, injection, steroid injection or surgery. I mean, that's, right. that's really all it was. It's standard. It hasn't yeah. really changed right. and it's been that way for decades. Right. Um, how do you see what you do and your experience different in terms of the unique present that you build? Uh, so, you know, I take a little bit of extra time to explain what's going on uh, mm -hmm. and the, the pathoanatomy behind it and, uh, you know, kind of the, what's underlying problem um, and try to correct that more than anything. Um, you know, if it's a non-surgical thing that we can manage conservatively. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's really what it boils down to is getting a good understanding of what's going on for the patient and then trying to correct that. Yeah. Uh, how responsive are people to that? Because obviously there's probably a majority of patients, as you know, that are going to want the quick fix. So and yeah. you have to kind of be the guy to say, hey, yeah, you know, I understand you want the quick fix, but yeah. that's going to lead to... A, which is going to lead to B and C, and then D is going to be like, oh, you don't right. really want D. <laughs> like, right, right. I mean, yeah. it's it's difficult. It, it is because you almost have to. It, it, the more you care, the harder it is sometimes with yeah, patients. Yeah, for sure. So for how sure. do you deal with that? Uh, you know, it, it it is. I mean, that's a really difficult problem because you got to get people to commit to what you're what you're trying to get them to do, uh, and sometimes that's the the hardest thing to do because they'll understand it when they leave the office, but uh, implementing it is sometimes difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, so you'll get the people who just want the steroid injection, but I kind of say, look, you know, this is a, this is a uh, reset button, but you know, it's going to come back if you don't do the correct things. Mm -hmm. So you got to put in the work. And how does that work? I mean, cause I think, I don't think most people know how cortisone works and that's a good thing so, to share. So like the, the most basic explanation of it is that it just decreases inflammation in the in the area so wherever you're putting it, it you know it, it does dissolve in the tissue a little bit and it decreases some of the inflammation and some of the pain generators that are there but it doesn't change what's going on mm -hmm. it can actually make some things worse you know if it's soft tissue like a tendon it can actually make it weaker why just because of the the effect it has chemically yeah, it, it, yep. yeah is that why you i mean i know there's most will not do more than three injections in one area right because it really deteriorates right yeah so you know and that's not always common knowledge or given by physicians so i think that's important for sure to to integrate into that the decision making for sure um <clears throat> you're healthy you're fit you're in good shape mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. So so there is something to be said about that and choosing a surgeon that represents good posture, good, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, 
do I really want to go to a cardiologist for heart issues that's uh, smoking on their break right. and you know overweight <laughs> exactly. and 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 yet you see that a lot of times you right. know someone that's basically barely awake when they're interviewing you and they're like you're a cardiologist so <laughs> um same with me i i try to maintain some form of decent health most people look at me and say you're 48 you know that's a good thing right um doesn't come without work and consciousness and and i'm not perfect However, I do try to maintain some balance. What are some, what's some advice um, of balance for you dealing with such high stress and high level of interaction with people, with your patients' bodies? I mean, because this is not an easy job that you've undertaken, that you've chose a path that you've chosen. Yeah. So, you know, um, sometimes it's a little more difficult now uh, because I have young kids, but you know, I try to make time for, for exercise for sure. Uh, yeah, on a daily basis. I, I'm laughing cause yeah, it, it does change. You know, when you're, when without kids, yeah. different story, yeah. you know, gym. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, uh, wake up early, do this, do that. Yeah. It's all about you, but kids. Yeah. You yeah. Know. In residency working sometimes a hundred hours a week, you know, I still make time to exercise and right. stuff. And then now it seems like, uh, it's yeah. even harder with yeah. the, the young kids. But yeah, I mean, I think, Making time for yourself to to you know still feel like an individual and doing something yeah. you enjoy is really important. Yeah, sometimes it means getting up earlier and right. You know, because in the evening it's almost impossible. Yeah, for That's sure. When everybody needs <laughs> you, you. you got to get up before everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so exercise is one thing, and diet, and how do you balance that out? What is your what's your philosophy? Yeah, so I think uh, you know for me the way that I'm able to to stick with everything. Uh, and and uh, you know keep it consistent is just moderation. Everything is is in moderation. Um, you know don't overdo anything, and you know still enjoy some of the things that you like, and but uh, just don't indulge too much. Right. Now, what's your specialty in surgery? What's what's your thing that you love to do and, and work on? So I do uh, you know, general sports medicine. So you know do a lot of um, minimally invasive things. Uh, Weight bearing joints. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then uh, shoulders. Um, uh, knees and hips. I do a lot of hip arthroscopy. But what do you like? What is your favorite? I like hip preservation. Okay. So it's a All hip right. arthroscopy. Okay. Yep. So hips are a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, especially you get the labral tears. Yeah. Describe that because that's one thing that eludes people in terms of what that is. And I, I have my way of ex- describing it, but yeah. I'd like to hear your version. So this is a, an extremely poorly understood thing uh, right. that happens. So you, your hip is an, an extremely complex joint, even though you know it's just a ball in a socket. It's really, it's, it's so complex because of all the soft tissue. And then it's basically your foundation of your body, you know, your pelvis and your low spine. Uh, so, you know, a lot of things can go awry, but what it comes down to is there's a misshape. A lot of people have a misshape to the ball uh, which is the femoral head, and it will create an, a, an impingement, which is like a, an abnormal contact in the hip. And that will lead to tearing of the labrum. The labrum is like a gasket uh, mm-hmm. of uh, two pipes going together, so it creates a suction seal of mm-hmm. the hip, which creates negative pressure in the hip, spreads okay. out the contact pressure, okay? so You got that, listener? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a lot. You're basically uh, like a vehicle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... Um, you know, when uh, when you tear that, you lose that suction seal, and it can lead to arthritis. But the underlying problem is that abnormal contact. Right. So you know, what I do is go in and repair the labrum. But more importantly, you got to create a normal shape to the hip. So okay. you know, we shave down bone and, and reshape things uh, to make it uh, more normal and, and not have that abnormal contact. 
you know, if you do have that, it can lead to a lot of different things. Low back pain is a is a mm. big thing. At, at almost everybody due to the I instability. See. I mean, because right. that suction work. seal or that lip labrum. I always say labrum lip. Yeah. It's, it's like you know, um, when that wears down or is not able to st- help stabilize. It's a it's a, it's a help stabilize. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. not the total stability. It's but micro it helps, stability. Yep. Right. Uh, then you've got instability, and then other parts of your vehicle have to pick up. Correct. The the yep. work exactly. workload. Exactly. And then that abnormal contact actually creates, you can see this in, in um, studies, that uh, it creates a torque across the whole pelvis mm-hmm. and into the low back. Mm-hmm. So it can give you a lot of low back pain like that, too. Now, from a, this is a hard question to maybe answer, but let's talk about observation and experience. We don't have to talk scientifically or purely clinically. In your experience, is there uh, a way that with strengthening and maybe not doing cortisone, which would hurt, probably hurt the healing process, yeah. but but with that, with strengthening, good diet, maybe if they're overweight, weight loss, that some parts of the body can heal as far as joint and tendon tears or injuries? Absolutely. So a lot of the degenerative things, uh, which means like, you know, the things that are um, seeing abnormal pressure or just kind of wearing away over time uh, can certainly be helped with that. And, mm-hmm. and a really good example of that is like a partial rotator cuff tear. Um, and people with, you know, their shoulders are in poor alignment and posture. A lot of people become chest dominant, meaning they're rounding their back. Um, right, and right. they go to, to lift something and that creates pressure across the rotator cuff mm-hmm. you know, on that tendon. So it starts to fray and, and be weakened over time. So correcting that and, uh, and and doing the proper things, you know, when they go to lift and, and reach for things, then that will certainly help and it will strengthen the right. tendon back. And, and it's not only uh, people that have poor posture, it's people that have certain tendencies to do weight lifting, yeah. right, a right. certain way. Yep. They, they want this look, but they don't realize how it changes the dynamic of their posture and where the pressure is and that they right. also are... Um, promoting more injury and actually, you know, I mean, worsening the condition. So learning how not only to lift in everyday life, but learning how to uh, interact with your fitness regimen. Right properly Um, and that's why I'm such a big proponent when when patients come to me I say you know yeah you're you're right in um, not doing this doing that but you have to do some physical therapy you have to do guided um, you know work because if you go and you just try to rehab yourself or try to strengthen yourself you might do it wrong and the mechanics are going to be part and parcel to you going backwards not forwards yeah you may think that you're doing it correctly but yeah. having a, uh, another pair of eyes watching you do it yeah. and correcting just subtle little things will subtle really little make things a big difference it's because you know most of the injuries that happen to us and, and correct me if i'm wrong are a lot of the little muscles it's mm-hmm. a lot of the little parts of our body yeah. it's not the big stuff that we like to work on because it makes us look good it's the little stuff that you know when i see a big strong or a, a, a crossfit or fitness you know, person or whatever come in and they are injured. It's not because they were doing the things that they normally do. Yeah, it was picking up a quarter or picking up a child All or right. grabbing a, a, you know, a something off of the lower shelf in a fridge because it was those simple mechanics that they disregarded as important and sure. those muscles that they didn't 
you know, work on or or help. And so now your big, big bulky muscles are, are fine, but those yeah. little guys. So I'm a big fan of, say, Pilates mat, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm, I'm not the smallest guy, but I do do Pilates mat as part of my workout because of those reasons. Yeah. And when you're hurt, you know, you're hurt enough. <laughs> you learn For lessons. Sure. What, what are some other things besides Pilates mat? And, some people may not know what that is, but it's different than Pilates reformer. It's not the machine. It's mm-hmm. where it's just your body and a mat, and you're using your gravity in different postures, you know, very akin to some ballet forms and bar classes and things like that. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I think, uh, again, getting back to balance is, is having a good routine with, like, yoga, stretching, mm-hmm. things like that that maintain flexibility, you know, weight training and cardio. So all of it together is really important. So, right. you know, Focusing just on one, you know, sometimes can lead you to that imbalance and then you start, uh, you know, overworking something. So it helps with recovery and, um, and, uh, you know, just training different muscles and, and, and them seeing a different load and stress to help, you know, maintain, uh, an injury free existence, uh, in your everyday. We live in a community and and I'm sure this is universal. You know, you might say you need to do you might mention yoga and you might mention all these things and they say, Oh, I stretch or I go for a mm-hmm. lot of, I walk, you know, yeah. what do you say to patients that tell you that? Well, I ask them, uh, you know, how much do you stretch? And honestly, uh, you know, and, and, you know, if they, if they say that they're doing it once a day, I mean, we'll, we'll kick it up to two, you mm-hmm, know, and, mm-hmm. and keep progressing or go to a formal class. Right. You know, really make a, a different effort, a different change than what you're currently doing. Right. What about walking? What are your thoughts on walking? As I, th- a- I think walking is is great if it doesn't uh, if if you're doing it properly and it doesn't mm-hmm. affect you, um, you know, it, and it's not painful. So uh, I think it's a wonderful exercise you okay. know, for for your body and your mental health too. Yeah, but obviously, yeah, if there if you have a labral tear, yeah, and you're walking, well, I'm walking. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, in this case, you might need to be swimming. Yeah, right. You, right. Need, you may need to think of other forms of. You do want to move, but it's just the proper application of movement and mechanics that are going to help you and not hurt you. So that's the moral of that story. Let's get to some juicy stuff. Um, You use, you know, there's definitely always sports people that you take care of Mm -hmm. and that there's sports fans that that Mm -hmm. are listening, obviously without names and specifics. Tell us some cool cases, you know, tell us some of the, you know, stuff with the, you said Dodgers, the Marlins, yeah. <laughs> the Rams. Yeah, you know, we, we, being out in LA, you know, you just see, uh, especially the clinic that I was at. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you just see a lot of really high-level athletes that that uh, that you would see on TV, and then um, also a lot of uh, you know actors, actresses, uh, music um, musicians, and. And so you see a lot of high-level people uh, <laughs> that are that are titans of their industry out there. So, yeah. um, you know, there's there's so many <laughs> without giving yeah. names. I can't really. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, so so tell us some of those surgical experiences. Like, you know, what what were some ones that stand out? Say, yeah, I, I got to do this for this type of person, whether it's a linebacker or a pitcher. Or yeah. What surgery and and how did that look? Cause that's, that's the inside scoop that you know yeah. the average person doesn't get to. Yeah, you know the the you know just the routine sports medicine stuff is just a higher level of um, expectations. So it's got to yeah. be perfect. So like you know just a, even a routine ACL, but if they're you know a future Hall of Famer, that's that's a lot of yeah. uh, 
expectation to get them back and like recovery the time. time. Yeah. 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 So, you know, all of it is, you know, what you would say routine sports medicine uh, out there, but it's real pathology and it's really, really high levels of expectation. You got to get them back. So yeah. it's all, you know, it was all very, very interesting. Um, was there a case that you had that you did that you say, man, I, I learned from that. I should have done this or that. And what, what did that look like? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think, uh, you know, any, <laughs> All, all of the cases, I mean, you can take something from, um, but, uh, you know, there's certain hip cases that stood out um, that were, you know, a little more challenging for everybody, and it just helped to, to you know, the next time you see that, to, to change and, and yeah. do something that, that would work a little bit better. Yeah. The the Paley Institute, where you are now, they're, they're doing some new things. What are some of those new things? So the Paley Institute has always been known for, um, you know, since they got down here about 14 years ago, um, you know, as George Paley brought this down here was, um, you know, limb lengthening and, and deformity corrections and a lot of, uh, you know, rare pediatric conditions, musculoskeletal conditions. Um, and more recently, um, you know, we've kind of been branching out into, um, you know, like sports medicine, like myself and, uh, and, you know, some degenerative spine things and, um, you know, a little bit more of the routine conditions, but we still do a lot of rare conditions, a lot of really complicated things that, you know, other community doctors just don't want to do, uh, just because we have a lot of experience with it. And so, you know, we just do, you know, whatever you need. I mean, that the Paley Institute has a, a physician for you to, to get you to where you want to be. Yeah. Different than traditional, it sounds like, you know, traditional orthopedic. Yeah, it's, it's like a, uh, it's, it's essentially built like a community practice, but it, you know, the surgeons that we have and the conditions they treat, it's more like a university um, mm -hmm. in how, how we treat people and, and uh, the conditions that we do take care of. Yeah. With, with limb lengthening and, and the necessity of that, it seems like there's a couple ways that that whole area is going. But um, when you think of the, the technology, right? And you look at, I mean, when I grew up, there was the million dollar man or the bionic yeah. man. And yep. <laughs> how do you see that playing into all of this? Well, so the, uh, you know, one of the big things for them for the limb lengthening was that uh, uh, they went from just, you know, X-Fix, which is, you know, pins and rods on the outside of your body to these, you know, now they can do in certain situations, these rods that will expand with your bone as you mm. grow. So it's on the inside, wow. you know, so That's it's with huge. a magnet, yeah. um, you know, and then, you know, for what I do, just the, the technology and arthroscopy and, right. and, you know, what you can do with the instruments that you have is incredible now. Yeah. And, you know, things are starting to, as AI is growing, yeah. you know, the, uh, the operating room is going to be integrated with that. And that's, that's probably going to be the next major change that happens in an operating AI. Room. Yeah. Why? Because it's going to give a sort of a, a plan of, of operation. Yeah. You know, where, is that how it's going to be used? You know, or? where, where you should make, you know, certain cuts if you're doing a joint replacement, things like that. I mean, there's already robotics, um, right. but that's just going to take a next step. Yeah. That. The robotics is the Da Vinci and that's being manned by a physician. Right. So I've, worked in conjunction with that doing acupuncture during a da Vinci surgery. So I was able to view that. Right. So the physician is actually looking at it into, you know, a little screen yeah. and, and there's the controls are at their hand. And then there's like a, a robotic 
arms, yeah. about eight of them or yeah. 10 of them, or I don't even know, <laughs> <laughs> doing all these minor incisions. Yeah. So you're saying AI is going to be integrated into I think that'll that be well. the next big, big change uh, mm -hmm. that, that we have in, in medicine in general. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just because information is so rapidly processed yeah. um, and can you know, help, help the, the physician, you know, wherever it may be, uh, make their decision and do it properly. So in essence, it sounds like the physicians will be feeding this information. Right. But in the end, we'll f it'll be replacing the physician. Uh, it just depends on what, <laughs> what, yeah. what kind of physician you are, I guess, yeah, you know, yeah. so, um, you know, for, for the operating room, I don't think that that's something that you can just replace. Um, yeah. And, you know, but I think it can aid in a decision that you're making. Okay. So uh, right now you're you're doing well. Your people get to see you, get to benefit from you. Um, how do they find you? Just share the. Yeah, so uh, you can uh, go online and and search uh, the Paley Institute or mm -hmm. my name. You can just uh, you know look look up my name as well, uh, mm -hmm. and it's easily accessible. You can uh, always give the Paley Institute a, a call as well, and then mm -hmm. my email address is online, um, so you can. You can always reach out to me if you have a question or anything. I'm always happy to answer any yeah. uh, any questions people have or set you up with an appointment. Yeah. When I look at you, I look at the future of orthopedic medicine, but it's now, that. you know. Yeah. The future is now. So I'm glad that people get to utilize you and, and learn from you. And I, I like your point of view and things. And I think that you know, that's, that's what is lacking in a lot of, you know, it's almost like this. A lot of surgeons may have a, a complex where they don't want to share all of this whether it's the experiences that weren't too positive versus the ones that, you know, so that they learn from it yeah. versus all the successes, which I'm sure your successes are more than anything else. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's good. It's really important because that is what cannot be replaced is the human content. Correct. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's one of the things I love about uh, what I do is that interactivity that, For we, sure. that we can share. So uh, this has been another Maximum Health Quality Living. If you missed any portion of this show with Dr. Zachary McVigor from the Paley Institute, please uh, go up on the podcast, uh, any, any podcast format and pull it and listen to it. Uh, very informative and hopefully will help you with your future decisions if you should need orthopedic care. And um, again, this is brought to you by Vell Health, uh, vellhealth.com. Wellness within reach. See you next time.